Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. All right, guys, welcome back. We are back. It's the newest and latest edition of Talking Two-Tone. We haven't been here since April, but I got to tell you, Tyler Ripple's looking as good as ever. And, you know, my sexy co-host, we're happy to be back, and we've got a lot to talk about today. We I do. Mean, we've just we – we've got a ton to cover. But yes, uh, we're happy to be back. It's great to be back, Asher. Like you said, you're looking good too, pal. Uh, it's been a while. It has. But we've, got, we've pretty much got the whole training camp to talk about. We've got a lot. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some big name free agents we've signed, a little depth chart talk. Everybody likes that, you know. If you're real, if you're really into the thick of this thing with the Titans, oh, yeah. you know, because uh, every position matters in the NFL. We, we've seen that over and over again with the Titans. Uh, we got a lot to go. Uh, you know what? Let's just get right into it. How about that? Um, Let's do it. We're back. Um, but I alluded a little bit to the big free agency signs, and we haven't been on the podcast since this man was signed. We originally planned to to have this episode the day after he signed, and things just got in the way. So here we are. DeAndre Hopkins is now a Tennessee Titan. You know, this is kind of old news, but Asher, just give me your thoughts on bringing this guy in. Just an absolute – I mean, you had to – it's like your, your clock's winding down in basketball. You got like three seconds left. You're down by two, and he just got to have a three. I know we have some buddies that would say go for the two, go for the two. Go for the, go for the jugular and shoot the three. And that's what Rand Carthon did with DeAndre Hopkins. He pulled out all of the stops. I mean, God, I remember just sitting here in my house here in Orlando and watching the draft and just sitting there like, what are we doing? Why are we not drafting a wide receiver till round seven? But trust in Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel, they went out and they trusted their their pitch D-Hop and making him believe and coming to be a Tennessee Titan and they got it done. I mean, we absolutely had to have a splash wide receiver to put on put alongside Traylon Burks. Traylon has reportedly looked incredible at training camp. Um, he looks like he is filling that void of A.J. Brown just from his size, physicality, and going up and high pointing the ball, but you gotta give him some help. And if if DeAndre Hopkins can be as productive as he was when he was on the field last year. People are all saying, like, he, the, the, you know, the big national media is not covering DeAndre Hopkins to the Tennessee Titans because, you know, it's not sexy. You know, if he'd gone to the Patriots, they would have said the Patriots had just signed a first ballot Hall of Famer and, either gonna, you know, Belichick's going to get the last bit of good football out of him, like Randy Moss. But since Tennessee – People don't really see that. They're like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is old. He's not going to be able to do anything. The guy the guy was averaging 70 yards a game with Trace McSorley and Colt McCoy throwing in the ball after Kyle went down. His first game back, first two games back, he had over 220 receiving yards and a touchdown. I don't want to hear it. The guy does not drop the football. He will go. He's He played with bad quarterbacks his entire career. Ryan Tannehill is by no stretch a bad quarterback. Um, the highs of Ryan Tannehill can be – 
statistically up there. If you look at the numbers of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and, and those guys a couple of years ago in 2019, 2020, um, yeah. I mean, now it's going to take so much pressure off of the Titans offense. Having a guy out there, DeAndre Hopkins, who can help take some pressure off of Traylon, take some pressure off of Chig, take some pressure off of Tannehill, and take some pressure off of, most importantly, Derek. He's not going to face as many loaded boxes out there with DeAndre Hopkins. And people are like, oh, this might be another Julio. No, Julio was coming off an absolutely injury-riddled season. DeAndre Hopkins was suspended. There's a difference, all right? D-Hop has proven time and time again that he can be productive with bad quarterbacks. And he really, I mean, the injury concerns are really not as glaring as they were with Julio Jones. But I love it. I D-Hop's going to catch like 80 balls this year if he's healthy, probably go for 1,000. Traylon could go for a thousand too, and you know the last time we had two receivers who almost went for a thousand, Derrick Henry rushed for two thousand and twenty-seven yards, and we got the number one seed. So, man, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. What some fantastic analysis here by Asher? Uh, everything he said, I agree with. It's just the pressure that it takes off the rest of the offense. You know, we we really really struggled last year. A lot of that was because of you know the offensive line and whatnot, but. Um, it just it just takes immense pressure off these young guys and the running game. And uh, you've seen when we had that with AJ Brown, how efficient this offense could run. So if, when we're mm-hmm. in third and long, it's not going to be you know you know we're punting. Now we have an opportunity to get you know keep moving those chains because we have a guy who, not only a great possession receiver, he's not great on you know great separation, but that's not how our offense really works. We're Tannehill can really throw in some tight windows. But DeAndre Hopkins is always going to be one of the stronger receivers on the field. He's going to get his hands on that football. If he does, he's catching it. So, I mean, everything you said, I completely agree with. Just summarizing it, I mean, it's just a huge deal for this offense. And I think, I think it makes, and I think it make, makes us back at least to a top twenty offense this year, considering we probably was worse as as sometimes uh, the season last year. So, great. And as Kyler Murray said, "Fuck it, DeAndre Hopkins is down there somewhere." <laughs> just send it, you know. Uh, where he's only two years removed from that that crazy Hail Mary catch he had. So, you know, with uh, the Hail Murray they called. So, you know, well, I can go on and on about DeAndre Hopkins, guys. We know how big of an addition he is. If he stays healthy, he can remove that curse of the Titan free agent receiver thing, you know, that we have going on here. Everybody says that's where they ship the receivers off to die and they're in their career. I mean, we have – we do. I mean – we do have that as a franchise. I mean, we can't really argue. That, that. is a fact. Randy it Moss, fact. Andre Johnson, uh, Julio Jones. Although Julio didn't finish with us like the other – well, neither did Randy Moss. Andre think, Johnson retired in the season. The middle of the season, yeah. He just said, yeah, yeah. forget this. After catching the game-winning touchdown against like, the, the, the Lions, I believe. The, yeah, yeah, the Lions. In between three defenders. Yeah, that was crazy. But yeah, I think DeAndre Hopkins is built a little different than those guys as far as mentality. I don't think he's like, I don't feel like he thinks he's at the end of his career like those guys did coming to Tennessee. Um, anyway, moving forward, uh, some of the spicy talk me and Asher love to talk about. Uh, we, oh, we're yeah. Titans fans <clears throat> one through 22 in the depth chart, you know, uh, well, one through 22 on the positions. Uh, we love the depth chart. We love seeing who's going to be out there. That way we can blame whoever we want to blame the next week. Exactly. If they lose or if they win. You know, we're going to give them their praise, too. We're not just completely negative fans. Um, let's just start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go off here and just look at some of the surprises. Now, I got this depth chart from OutKick. Um, I know that's not a very great source. That's just the first one of the first ones that came up when I Googled Titans depth chart. You know, a lot of this is going to be 
moving because they're still in training camp. But right now, how they're planning on starting, some of the surprises I've seen was, um, and this may not be a surprise, but I'll get your thoughts. Uh, Nick Westbrook-Akina is still wide receiver three over uh, over Moore. Um, I think a lot of people were really high on Chris Moore coming into training camp. And they, I want to say they brought this guy in to be wide receiver two or three before – you know, we signed DeAndre Hopkins. So, him being wide receiver four is kind of a surprise to me. I know Mike Vrabel loves Nick Westbrook-Akina, so I understand. It's not really a surprise. But just some of the hype I've had out of Chris Moore and the Titans fan base, and they think they're going to unlock him here, it's kind of surprising to see him at wide receiver four. What, would you think that's a surprise or no? You think it's right where he needs to be? I, I mean, I, I think him at wide receiver four is, is very, very generous. I think you could put, you know – I, Kyle Phillips I don't understand over him. it. Yeah, you could put Kyle Phillips over him. Kyle Phillips is more versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Phillips is, is can play, can return punts, return kicks. He can play slot. He can, you know, he can run some motion in the backfield. You know, he's more versatile. Chris Moore, I, I, I don't know enough about the guy. Nothing yeah. really screams at me like he's going to be really, really good. Um, you know. I, I really don't care that he's wide receiver. To be frank with you, I think that that's a good yeah. wide receiver for. That's just one of the surprises because, I mean, uh, if you follow Twitter, Titans Twitter, there's a lot of people really high on this guy for whatever reason. Like you said, I don't know. I just – when I see him at wide receiver four, him and Kyle Phillips right there, I just thought maybe he would be over Nick Westbrook-Kina, which, you know, it's probably kind of dumb on my part because I know the Titans love Nick Westbrook-Kina. He's yeah. there for one more year. This is his prove-it deal this year. So, if he, if he has a nice year this year, I can see him getting a long-term deal with the Titans. Uh, moving on to that, you know, this is one of the bigger surprise. Not a surprise for this podcast because me and you both called this. Um, Pete Skorowski is going to start the season at left guard. Uh, we didn't yep. think he would come in as a tackle based on the draft analysis that we've seen from a lot of the guys that really know what they're talking about. He has short arms, so he's not really mm-hmm. built to play tackle in the NFL. But they say he could be an upper echelon guard, which we haven't really had since we lost. Um, the guy to the Bills, I can't think, he's losing his name right now. Saffold. 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 Saffold was a dog out there on the left side with Taylor Lewan. And we've been yep. missing that because Aaron Brewers had to play there at guard. He's more of a center, of course, because he's small. And this is tiny. That's a big, big deal, I think, for him to be there at left guard. Smith that position now. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, so that's no, another one that we're really not calling a surprise. But, you know, he was drafted as a tackle. He played left tackle in college. So he's yep. going to be on the left side still. So I guess that's pretty easy. That's pretty easy learning curve for him. But um, you know we're still looking for our left tackle of the future. But we may have that. We're going to talk a little more about that in a minute. But any thoughts on Skrowski playing at guard? I love it. I mean, it takes so it's just it's like moving chess pieces around. You know, you can't leave Aaron Burr at left guard. He's terrible at left guard. He's absolutely terrible. He's got short arms. He's too undersized. He's not tall enough. He's not nasty. Moving him at center is much more suited for his skill set and based off of his physical traits. He played good at center um, last year or some too, though. He did. He did. He did. And, you know, that's that's awesome that we can move him to, to center. And what it does is it solidifies that left side. You know, Peter Skronkowski or whatever, you, however you say his name, he is nasty, man. Yeah. He is nasty. He's a guy that Vrabel just loves. Vrabel probably goes over to him, talks shit before training camp, and then lets him just be pissed off all day. Yeah, we, so we, I'm happy about it. We like that pick. That was one of the picks we liked in the draft. After you know, everybody panics after the draft. So we we did like that pick. 
uh, with a first round. Uh, But let's move on to the tackles since we're talking about tackles. Uh, Chris Hubbard was brought in to uh, play right tackle for the Titans in in, uh, place of NPF. He has – I was just looking here if you didn't know. He's played for the Steelers and the Browns. He's got 49 career starts. With 2018 with the Browns, who had a really good offensive line that year, I believe that was Baker Mayfield's first year or second. They uh, he started the whole season for those guys. Started ten games for the Steelers the year after. This guy's got a lot of starting experience. Yeah, he has fallen off the last uh, the last couple of years with no starts for the Browns, so he was replaced. It looks like I don't know if he had injury issues either. Cause I really don't know a whole lot about him. Just looking at his stats here, but it's nice to have a guy come in and play right tackle who has start experience in the NFL with uh, MPF being out for the first four games of the season, which, if I could touch on that, too, was stupid. crazy. He's not even betting on football. It's just ridiculous that these – gambling's uh, legal in, like, 35 states in America now, sports gambling, and it's ridiculous that they're, they're you know, suspending these guys for that, for not even betting on the sport. Um, so stupid. It is. But I think uh, I think we got a good replacement. This guy can be a great swing tackle if he has to play left tackle. That'd be great. He could play guard as well. That's great. And we were missing that depth last year on the offensive line, really bad. So oh, it's yeah. a good signing from uh, Rand. Any thoughts on Chris Hubbard coming in, uh, or we touched on that? Uh, I think we're good on. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's about as good as you can possibly. I mean, the right tackle's just been getting just swarmed for us without NPF there. I mean, have if we had NPF to start the year, I think this offensive line would look a lot different than it's looking in training camp. But it's, you know, the right side of the line has been getting killed so far in training camp. Dillard on the left side has been getting beat a lot by Arden Key. And um, Brunskill has been getting beat a decent amount. But I think they'll figure it out. I mean, but it, it's tough. We have one of the best pass rushes in the game. So oh, yeah. that's true. Know, it's going to make them better. Well, you, t- you, you, as a good segue into the next guy we're going to talk about, and Andre Dillard. Um, coming in from the Eagles, kind of a disappointing appointment for the Eagles. They, they drafted him first round in 2019 at 22. Uh, he, uh, has all the talent in the world. If you're, if you're drafting the first round in the NFL, you're a talented guy, obviously. If he can come to Tennessee and get the coaching from from Mike Vrabel and staff, uh, and you know really cement himself as a as a top fifteen to twenty left tackle in the NFL, he'll be here for a long time. Because if you could set yourself up with a good left tackle in the NFL, a good quarterback, and you know the the rest of your offensive line just falls in line with that, I believe. Especially since we got Skronsky on the left guard side, that left side would be great, and we're going to run that way a lot. Um, Yep. The guy's big. You know, he's 315 pounds, 6'5". He's a really big dude. I hope he comes in and cements himself as the replacement for, you know, everybody's favorite dad, Tyler Lewan. Uh <laughs> But, you know, it would be different out there. We'll see. Um, it's kind of a wait and see with Andre Dillard. He has the talent. Let's just see if the guy can, you know, be what we need him to be. Um, you got any thoughts on Andre Dillard? No, I mean, you nailed it, man. I mean, I think, yeah, he just needs to be coached up and find that that fire, you know, in him, find that nasty. I mean, I want my offensive line to be nasty, you know, rub yeah. some dirt on it, kick you in, you know, not stomp on your face mask like like Albert, Albert Hainsworth. But, I, yeah, but I want you to, you know, be nasty. Wait, but play two seconds after When our whistle. offensive line, going back to that, when your offensive line was, you know, road grading out there, 
we had Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones all play, you know, pulling that left side, running the football, and every one of those guys nasty on the football field. You know, oh, so yeah. so I, I like what you I like your thoughts there. You know, Titans, we, we kind of fit that AFC North mold. That's how we've always been. Like, you know, we're we're that mold with the Steelers, Ravens, uh, Browns, Bengals. You know, we're gonna run the football, we're gonna be hard nosed, we're like, you know, a lunch pail team. So this the offensive yep. line sets the tone for that and the defensive line to us too. So we want those guys to play like the franchise always has. Uh that's a little bit about the offense. The rest of the guys that are on the depth chart, you know already, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and uh Traylon Burks are gonna start, Tannehill, uh Derrick Henry, Chig Conquo, and the kid from Cincinnati, I reckon, is getting reps. But I he's listed third on the on the depth chart right now, but I believe he'll be second. When the season starts, but uh, yep. let's move. Let's move over to the, the the heartbeat of the team for the last couple of years. Uh, the defense. Let's see if these guys can you know keep up with how they've played the last two years. But we do have some the new faces that are going to be on the field uh, this year. Looking at the depth chart, I don't know if this was even a typo or somebody didn't know what they were really looking at. But when I looked at this depth chart this morning, it had uh, you know Doctor Gibby, Jack Gibbons. They call him Dr. Gibby. Mike Bravel loves this guy. He loves, he talks about this guy a lot over Monty Rice, which is a surprise. So we thought Monty Rice would be the guy to come in and replace David Long slash Zach Cunningham. But it, right now, they've got Gibbons in there at this, as a starter on the inside linebacker. Uh, thoughts on that? Um, he's a kind of guy that you would, you would want to to really root for but i don't under really stand i don't understand it completely like i i know jack gibbons is a, is a football player you know he's a he's a guy that Vrabel really really probably loves to coach up and get out there and does everything Vrabel asks but i don't think he's as talented as monty rice is but monty rice is also kind of a dumbass and it's probably going to get me in in some trouble here. But he's been tweeting in the offseason. Stop. Stop tweeting. You know, he's been going at some fans. And don't do that. Vrabel hates that. Hates it. It's like the Belichick mold. Get off the phone. Get off Twitter. Get off – or X now, whatever it's called. And, you know, stop it. Go work. We don't want to hear stop about you. We don't want – yeah, we don't want to hear about you. We We want <laughs> you to play football. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Gibbons, he, he probably is just working hard at camp. It, it might be a motivational thing for Monty Rice, but Monty Rice is our best cover linebacker. Yeah, the kind of got. So I, I could see him eventually taking the starting role back. And, you know, those we play that fourth, we play the three four. So uh, I could see those guys playing on the field together at some yeah. point, you know, both of the inside. Because we play with two middle linebackers on the field. You know, but that, that was the surprise of the linebacker crew. The linebacker crew does not – I mean, we probably have a – if you just looked at paper right now, we probably have a bottom third linebacker crew core in the NFL, which has been a surprise because we've had some really good linebackers over the last 10 years. Are you saying just inside linebackers or are you going Yeah, overall? just as – no, no, we can't talk yeah. about the edge guys. Of course, yeah, we've got yeah, great yeah. edge players. But I'm yeah, talking about yeah. the, just the inside linebackers are, you know, probably our weak point on the, on the defense. But – you know, a lot of GMs look at linebackers like look at running backs now. They're a dime a dozen. I mean, that's just how yep. – that's the reality of the NFL. You don't pay linebackers a lot. The only guy that got paid, he had to get shipped out of town, was uh, Roquan Smith going to the uh, the Ravens. 
Yep. You know, the Ravens yep. just value linebackers more than anybody probably in the NFL. Yeah, so, oh yeah. They, uh, that, that is a lot. I think that's probably going to be the – well, just watch out because this team, thankfully we have Jeffrey Simmons on the inside and Tyre Tart, and, you know, the defensive line's really good. Really good run stoppers. Nico Autry. The Nico Autry's. Uh, Most underrated lineman. Maybe the NFL. Maybe the yeah. NFL. Uh, we had those guys that can really help stop up the run. So maybe the linebacking crew isn't core isn't as important because those guys are so good at stopping the run. One guy though, I could see just sneaking into the rotation as an edge rusher. He's a rookie, and we got him as an undrafted free agent. Caleb Murphy, man, that guy. You know, he played Division Two football last year. You know, I'm a Division Two guy myself. Division Two tennis player here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out Caleb Murphy. The guy had 22 and a half sacks last year. Crazy, crazy. In, like, yeah. So there's something you want to keep him around and try to tap into that. See if he can do it at the highest level. And you know, watch out for Caleb Murphy. And you know, you might be ha- you might be seeing a battle there with him and Rashad Weaver, with the way Weaver finished the season. Mm-hmm. Last year, I mean, he started off so hot, and then uh, you might see a little bit of a battle there. And he, you know, Vrabel loves his edge rushers, man. They so you might see guys. Caleb, you might see Caleb Murphy make the roster, and it would not surprise me one bit. That's cool. I mean, that's a good name to throw out there. That's what, that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about the cornerbacks. Uh, I kind of want to touch base on Kyle uh, Farley again. You know, he's back on the hour or the pup list, whatever it was. The guy, I know Asher was super excited for Kyle Farley. I kind of, to be honest, I never really liked the pick because that's John. I think John Robinson was just trying to outsmart the room, trying to get these guys the high value with the injured players. And it, it's different with the defensive lineman like Jeffrey Simmons because those guys are so big, they can heal, you know. But a guy like Caleb Farley with back issues and you're having to run all the time, it's like full sprint. It just never seemed like a good pick to me. And, you know, who knows? This year might be his breakout year when he comes off the list. You never know. But I just really can't believe what a bust he's turned out to be, you know, because all the hype that came in around the guy when he came in. Um, yeah, I might have been wrong about that one. Caleb Murphy – Caleb Caleb Farley's not even my favorite Caleb on the roster right now. I <laughs> yeah. mean – I, I'm telling you, man, I, I thought he was going to be so freaking good, like a faster Richard Sherman kind of yeah. guy. He's got those long arms. He ran a 4-2, which is unheard of. And not unheard of, but like ridiculously fast and played really, really well when he was at Tech. And Yeah, um, he's got all the – he's got all the, the – the, what's the word? Traits to be that guy, being all pro corner. But he just yeah, he hasn't just, been able to stay on the field. When he is, he hasn't been good. That's just, yeah. the, I mean, that's he, just the reality of it. He's got rookie reps. I mean, if, if you look at it, the guy just can't get his body right, and he's still a rookie, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. he came in against the Bills as a rookie and looked bad. And I remember us texting. I was still in Montgomery. You were texting me. He's like, like Farley looks bad. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, give him time. He's a rookie. And he didn't get any time. He tore his ACL that game. <laughs> yeah, like – Three minutes into the game, almost like he is like he probably played like five minutes to Torrey's ACL, which was sad. Yeah, it was. And he's so such sad. a great story too, though. Like I believe his mom or something had passed. 
He like yeah. promised her so many things, and you know, I want the guy to be good because he's a titan. But we, I mean, yeah. the reality is the reality. Uh, moving yeah. on though, you know, I don't want to bag on the guy too much because you know he already knows. Um, Sean Murphy Bunning, big signing I think for the Titans. Uh, we talked about this earlier. We're going to have Roger McCurry and Christian Fulton on the outside. Uh, we kind of talked about Elijah Molden taking over the Dayton Crookshank role, and they brought in Sean Murphy Bunting to really be the slot guy. Which I think, and you have in the back end, you have Kevin Bauer back there ro- roaming around. That's a really good secondary, man. Uh, I'm telling you, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be really good. I mean, you. I mean, we don't have the, the cornerbacks, or none of them are really like you know top echelon guys. You know, everybody knows Kevin Bauer's the best safety in the league, in our opinion. But you know, those every corner, I don't think any corner is going to get like consistently beat this year because I think all of them are top. 15 to 20 in their, you know, their respective side of the field. So, uh, I really like this secondary coming into the season. Yeah, I do too. I think, I think it'll be, it, it could be our, it could be our strength. It could be, you know, that in the D line. Um, moving forward though, I mean, we can talk about the secondary all we want, but we, that's kind of just the addition of Sean Murphy Bunting is really the only thing. The rest of it's kind of, you know, same run the mills last year. Uh, honorable mention. We want to talk a little bit about the kicking battle uh, between Caleb <laughs> Caleb Shudak, and he kicked for us a little bit last year. And uh, Trey Wolf, a guy out of Texas Tech, I, first time I've heard about him today. Uh, he was really good in college. Uh, I can give you some of his stuff. He finished forty two out of fifty two kicking field goals at Texas Tech, which is you know, you know, fantastic. But it's a that's a good percentage. That's like eighty percent. Uh, missed three extra points, which is kind of concerning. That's that's a really short field goal to miss three on in college. Uh, let's see. He was 21 out of 25 last year, 41 out of 42 on the Pats. Well, point after, point after attempts. Um, that's a pretty good percentage. I'll take 21 out of 25 every year, uh, especially for if we can kick those in the 50-yarders, which he was five for nine on 40 to 49. And he was two for two on fifty plus, which sounds That's like fat, sounds like Fat Randy to me. Uh, remember, he sucked from forty to forty nine, but he was good from fifty yeah. plus. Yeah. So uh, who knows how that'll go? Um, but they would never kick. They would never. They would never kick. Tennessee wouldn't kick if it was like fifty plus. Like last year, like I remember Paul Kowarski just specifically saying they have no confidence. Like, but that's part of that's because we had such a good punter. But still. Like, you know, you need to be able to send a guy out there to make some 50-yard field goals. It's the NFL. And it is. It's not college anymore where you punt when it's 54 yards, you know. it's You got to do it. And Fat Randy just couldn't do it. Yeah. He just couldn't do it. The longer stuff is where he started to really struggle. And, we, haven't you know, long, we, we haven't had a long-range kicker since Baronis. If you remember, uh, Suckup sucked in the long distance, too. But go ahead. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he did. I mean, it's it. Bronus was automatic, automatic. You could send him out there, and he would make anything. He had eight fucking field goals in one game. Still an <laughs> NFL record. We love Rob Bronus on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And you know, it's just it's so disheartening to see one our offense start to get a little bit of rhythm, and then they get to that thirty-three yard line. That well, that's where they that you know that's where a lot of the drives stall because we're so good in the red zone. So I'm pissed off because, oh, here comes a punt from the 33-yard line. You know, it's a 50-yarder, 
you know, or anything past the 33, we're just like in no man's land. You might as well just start going for it. Yeah, that's true. That's true because that's not bad field position to start on the defensive side. Uh, We'll see, though. We'll we'll just kind of watch that when the game starts in about an hour. We'll see how Caleb Shudak and Trey Wolf does. I've got to be honest, we've seen Caleb Shudak kick. He wasn't that great. I'm hoping Trey Wolf comes out there and knocks in some, like, 60 yarders today. He kind of submits himself. That'd be awesome. Uh, But we'll see. You know, let's move on. That's kind of the depth chart. Y'all have heard our uh, surprises and non-surprises going forward. The depth chart looks pretty good. I, I think I think our teams – I think we got a pretty good team again this year. But moving forward, um, kind of want to talk about the disrespect Ryan Tannehill has got in the offseason. Uh, the guy is going to have a I, – I just feel it this year. I feel like he's going to have a 2019 year again. I do. Uh, as long as that right side can protect him, you know, things have to be right for Ryan Tannehill to be successful. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. He's not like a superstar quarterback. But if he has the tools around him, which I believe we do, the guy has had a top 10 QBR since he's been in Nashville. And people act like yeah. this guy should be a backup. He's not. He Ryan Tannehill, every, bit of the, every, every year he's been a top, has been a top 15 quarterback. When things, he's been healthy, and the offensive line has been atrocious. He is not a bottom 40 quarterback in the NFL. He is not. And I'm tired of hearing that. Like, everybody talks about this guy so bad because all they've seen, nobody sees the Titans but us, you know, in our area. Um, so they always see Ron Tannehill struggles in the playoffs, and that's well documented. He has struggled in the playoffs. But this guy plays really well game in, game out, and he doesn't get the respect he deserves. And I really, really feel like his fifth year into the, with the team, he's going to have a fantastic year. And I, I couldn't agree more. People love to say that 2019, when we made the AFC Championship game, it was in spite of Ryan Tannehill. He didn't have to do that much. They don't understand that. It's like, what do you want him to do? If Derek's rushing for 200 yards a game, what do you want him to do? You want him to throw for 400 on top of it? That's just greedy. Yeah. He, people forget in that Ravens game to start the third quarter when we turned them over on downs. Oh, man. He threw it. a touchdown pass to Khalif cool. Raymond to basically put the game away. Like a 60-yarder, like on the yeah. absolute money. Yeah, exactly. That and people so are like, good. oh, well, they just look at the numbers. They're like, well, he's only thrown this amount of touchdowns in the playoffs. They don't look at the other advanced metrics behind it. Why do you think he's only thrown 15 passes in a game in the, in the, in the game? It's because Derek's carrying the ball 35 times for 240-something yards against the Patriots. That one drive to end the first half against the Patriots where Derek had every single yard on the drive, he he caught a screen pass and he had rushing yards the entire drive. They couldn't stop it. So what do you want? You want want us to throw the ball? Get off off of the Ryan Tannehill – is is a bottom echelon quarterback in the league. I am so sick and tired of seeing these TikToks too that have ranking all of the AFC starting quarterbacks that have Malik Willis or Will Levis on there. They are not going to start. They're not going to start. You're, not paying you're you're paying Tannehill thirty five million dollars. You bet your ass he's playing every damn every damn game he's healthy. Mm-hmm. The only situation where because neither one of them have a command of the offense that Tannehill has. They don't have the time in the system. You don't sign DeAndre Hopkins to bench Ryan Tannehill. So cut the shit. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. People are like, oh, what's going to happen with Will Levis and and Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill? What do you mean? The battle is for quarterback two. That's the battle. Quarterback one is Ryan Tannehill. All right? 
He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers, but he doesn't have to be. If our offensive line and our weapons on the outside are enough to put some fear in the off or the defense from loading the box, Derek's going to rush for 1,800 yards plus, and Traylon's going to be A.J. Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a better version of Corey Davis, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't give me. And if you look, it. and if you look at that game against the Ravens the next year in 2020, when we lost to them, had the number one seed. Our defense was historically bad on third down, the worst third down defense in NFL history. Yep. And that was the year we had Arthur Smith as OC calling lights out plays. The difference between this team and that team is our defense is top ten. Defense is probably, it means definitely top ten. It might even be top five. If they can figure if these positions that they've plugged and placed strategic players in can pan out, top five. That is that is the that is the you know, the sky's the limit for this defense. It's gonna come down to how well can the cornerbacks stay healthy, how well can the linebackers play. Our edge rushers are going to dominate every single game. You cannot stop Jeffrey Simmons, you cannot stop Danico Autry, you can't stop Tierra Tart, you can't st- we got Harold Landry back, another ten plus sack guy. I mean, what else do you fucking want out of Ryan Tannehill? Get off of his nuts, all right? Get off the man's nuts. He's your starter. Deal with it. There, well, would what, you rather have would you rather have Mac Jones? No. Would you rather have Mac Jones? That's where they're writing this guy. That's what just drives me insane. Like they're saying he's a Mac Jones, you know. Uh, Mac Jones he, has love him. Bama Bama alum hasn't done shit. Right, right. What's the kid out of Kenny Pickett? They're saying he's in that range. Jimmy Garoppolo, blah, blah, blah. They're saying he's in that. I I would put Brian Tannehill right up there with Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. You know, those guys are really good veteran quarterbacks, and if they have the pieces around them, they can really win. The, you know, yep. he, if, if the pieces are terrible around them, we're going to lose. I mean, that's just how it goes. We're, they're, they're not the upper echelon. But these guys are really, really good, serviceable quarterbacks, and if that you can win with, if you have, a, and they're culture builders, really hard workers. You never got to worry about them. They're always healthy, and if they're not healthy, it's usually because their offensive line is atrocious. And we can absolutely win this division and make some noise in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. And if you don't believe that, you're not watching the games. That's just exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. Ryan Tannehill is tough. He will stand in that pocket and throw one dart down the middle of the field yes, as he's he getting hit. Like against the Raiders on that 91-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. Yes. And then he I mean, tore that, that defensive lineman's head off from that tackle that yeah, same game. Good, that's the guy you want. Would you rather – I mean, come on. Come on. I'm so sick of this shit. I'm so, there is no scenario where Malik Willis or Will Levis start, so are starting this season. No. Unless the team is like 0-15 and, and you want yeah. to see what you got. Unless he's just terrible Maybe. this year, which I don't expect. Um, no. We're on Tannehill stands here. <laughs> we're going to fight for him this year. I just – I mean, I, I'm not saying he's God. the greatest guy player. I mean, he might be the best Titans quarterback in, you know, Tennessee history. But uh, he's – he's. I'm tired of disrespect for him, you know. I am tired of it. There are like maybe eight guys in the league I would take over Ryan Tannehill in this offense. Yeah. Maybe. And that's because a lot of the players can't succeed in this this kind of an like Kirk Cousins would be terrible in our system. I agree. He would be bad because he's not mobile. Kirk Cousins is not mobile. Ryan Tannehill can get you some some yards. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of good talk there about Ryan Tannehill. Asher, I mean, we we 
retired disrespect here on this podcast. You're going to quit talking about Ryan Tannehill. Quit putting him in the bottom 15 of the Deadgum AFC. That's ridiculous. Uh, moving You're on. Not. <laughs> moving on. Um, DL coach Terrell Williams is going to be the head coach today for the, the preseason game, which is a pretty cool thing because you don't see this a lot. Uh, most head coaches in the NFL, I would say, are egotistical maniacs because you kind of have to be to have that kind of position, you know, to get to that point. You have to be super confident, guys, super – you know, you just got to be – got to kind of be full of yourself to figure that out, how to get to that position. And with Mike Vrabel coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to help my guys move up, it just shows the kind of the guy that we have is leading our organization. And uh, we're super proud to, you know, be one of the franchises that do this. You know, the Titans have always kind of been – since Amy Adams Strunk has been there, kind of been on the forefront of doing things a little different. Um, yep. this being one of them, they, they have a lot of women on the staff. Uh, that's one thing they do in the, you know, not in the NFL, but there is a lot of women on the staff. The Titans are kind of more, one of the more diverse organizations in the NFL, going from quarterbacks to head coaches to, you know, GMs to letting their DL coach be the head coach on a, on a Saturday preseason game. So that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Yeah, and it gives him exposure too. You know, like yeah. it gets him out there. You know, showing other teams like that. Hey, you can this guy. This guy can coach. Because I mean, he's literally established this defensive line as yeah. one of the best in in the NFL. So I mean, he knows what he, he knows his stuff certainly. And you know, it's it's just really cool for for Vrabel to kind of promote some of those guys and you know be happy and proud of his staff. You know, it's just it's awesome to see. Yeah, we like that. I mean, we just want to make note of that. So when he Tune into the game today. If you've heard this podcast, you probably already you got to this point. Uh, anyway, but when you tune into the game today, you'll see, or if you watch it tomorrow, whenever, you'll see that Terrell Williams is actually being the head coach. I don't know how Mike Brable's going to do that. I'm sure he's going to be roaming the sideline. He may just have the headset on listening. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do that today. Um, we just want to make a note of that. But that's the head coaching situation. What the big deal we're going to see today, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is even suiting up. Uh, so we're going to see Will Levis and Malik Willis battling out for position two on the quarterback depth chart. You know, there's been a lot of talks coming out of camp that Will, Malik Willis has outplayed Will Levis. And uh, there's been – like, there's there's a lot of people saying Will, Malik Willis has improved dramatically from last year. I mean, that's just – you know, you get that train talk camp like this every year and everybody over-exaggerates or under-exaggerates, whichever way. And we'll see today – because Malik Willis was absolutely – now, if you want to say Malik Willis is the worst quarterback in the NFL last year, you were right. <laughs> he was the yeah. worst quarterback to take snaps last year. And I don't think that's – I don't think that's even far-fetched at all because the guy was terrible when he got in the league. And But people forget, like, he was an absolute project coming in. You know, so we yeah. didn't expect to see him on the field last year any. Uh, but if he's improved substantially, it's going to be interesting to see because – as big a stands as we are for uh, Ryan Tannehill on this podcast, we were probably the opposite for Will Evans. <laughs> so I can't stand that pick. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> there's no, there's no fifth year option with second rounders. Nope. So it doesn't make any sense to draft a quarterback in the second round if you're going to start Ryan Tannehill for the next two years or at least this year. So it doesn't make any sense. So you're just saying you're going to throw in Will Evans in year two get. Two years out of him before he wants a contract negotiation. If he's any good, it's just it just hits the reset button, you know, mm-hmm. twice is what it does because you got 
There's no reason to have drafted a quarterback this this year. There's just none. The guy it doesn't make any – from every logical standpoint, there were better players available there if, they, if you were going to trade up to get. Because it, he's not going to start this year, which means he's got three years left on his contract. You're paying him to sit. And he's supposedly going to learn the offense in a year without any game reps. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't happen. And then when you bring him in next year, what are you going to do with Malik Willis? What do you do there? If Malik Willis is better than him, do you start Malik Willis and just say, oh, shit, we missed the mark on this one? And, you know, do you trade Will Levis? Who's going to want him? If he hasn't played, nobody's going to want him. And then then at that point, yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I would understand if they drafted a quarterback next year. That would make sense. Yeah, exactly. That's what I didn't really get from the the Will Evans pick too. Like, just you know, reverberating what you said. You know, he, if he wants to be paid in two years, a lot of a lot of the quarterback contracts are getting it done the year before the the year of the contract. So, really, if if Will Evans hits, and which if he does, great. You know, if he hits, whatever. This this don't, this conversation means nothing if he ends up being really good. But he will have to pay him his third year, which he'd only have one year starting. So if he so yeah. say Will Evans starts next year and he's a stud and you know I hope he is because if you get the quarterback right in the NFL we all know what can happen. Uh, then you had to pay him the third year and you don't get to do what the 49ers have done and the Chiefs did the first couple of years and what the Eagles are did last year and Jalen Hurts. You don't get to have a superstar team built around your quarterback because you had to pay your quarterback. And yep. that's that's one of the issues that'll be. Uh, that could, you know, arise from Will Evans being picked in the second round, like you said. Because they could have traded up and got him at 32 instead of 30 what, – what did we get, 33 or 34? It was one of the first two picks 33. in the second round. 30, 33. Because they could have came up one more pick and got him in the 32nd, and they could have had that fifth-round option or fifth-year option. And uh, now we're kind of stuck with that. And like you said, if, if he is not any good, you just wasted that, that draft capital, the trade capital, and you wasted that pick. But if he is good, you wasted that fifth year option. So that's one of the yep. that's one of the things we were really bad on that pick uh, with Rand Carthon. So you know, and but, my thing is like the only situation this has ever really worked is where you draft a quarterback to to succeed, like to sit for an entire year. Well, I can't think of one actually for a second rounder. The, I was going to say Patrick Mahomes, but you know they ended up having to pay him early, and then they lost Tyreek Hill as a result of that. But they exactly. just won a Super Bowl, so it doesn't really matter. That's but, Patrick you know, Mahomes. that's Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't happen often is what I'm saying. Like, it does not happen often. You have to really, really believe that this is your guy going forward. But if he gets out, you know, out, outshone by, by Malik Willis today, then it's all water. It, it, it does, you know, it's just water under the bridge. Like, oh, well, what do we do now? Do you believe in Malik Willis taking the reins from the next year? Which I don't – I. I try from what I saw. The no, I don't. I don't believe Malik Willis can be a starting franchise quarterback in the NFL. I don't think Will Levis can because he played one at Kentucky and wasn't that good, and he couldn't start at Penn State. So he had to transfer from Penn State to Kentucky. He was good for one year, and then he looked horrible in every other game this year. I mean, this this year, and people are going to say, "Oh, he was injured and banged up and all this stuff." Didn't have the talent around him. Who cares? What do you think? Some of the decision-making and stuff he does is just stupid. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, Ooh, I agree with God. that. Doesn't and make any we... sense drafting Will Levis in the second round if you're going to bench him for a whole year. If he does well, then you then you pay him his third year. And if he doesn't do well, then you're like, well, we got to hit the reset button again and draft another quarterback. And well, that's the thing, too, you talked about Malik Willis pans out. I don't think – if it's neck and neck with those two guys, it's going to be Will Levis because Levis is a Carthon guy. And Willis yep. is a John Robinson guy. So if we'll have, well, Malik Willis, the only way he's going to succeed and be the, the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans moving forward after next this year is if he is head and shoulders better than, than Will Levis. And if he is, that's an absolute problem with the draft pick of Will Levis. So it's kind of a catch 22 for the Titans with the Will Levis pick. You know, that's just the situation they're in. And, you know, if, but like I said, if either one of those guys end up becoming a stud, it really doesn't matter. Like if, if you could go back and trade your whole draft, this whole draft with Patrick Mahomes, you probably would have. So, yeah. If those guys could ever be like 80% of Patrick Mahomes, you would probably trade your whole draft for that and just built around him. So, that's where we're at on those guys. But what to expect from on the field today? I'm expecting Malik Willis to look pretty good since that's what's coming out of camp. And I expect Will Levis to look, you know, pretty like a rookie because that's what's coming out of camp. You know, I just can trust the guys that are reporting on this. Uh, Paul Kaharski, the guy, you know, the beat riders for the Titans, the other uh, big tall Teron Davenport. Teron Davenport, Buck Rising, those guys. That's what I've kind of seen from the, the Titans guys, that Will Levis has kind of struggled at camp, but he's had good days. Sounds like a nice, consistent guy like we expected. And then Malik Willis has uh, had leaps and bounds better than he was last year. But if, if he's leaps and bounds better than what he was last year, he's just decent. So, yeah, because it's not saying much. It's not he was saying much. Terrible last year. Um, so bad. That's kind of what I expect to see, but you never know. Um, and we're going to overreact to this, of course, because that's what we do. <laughs> if yeah. Will Levis throws a touchdown today, I'm like, oh my God, Will Levis, the best quarterback the Titans have ever had, vice versa. <laughs> so, you know, this is kind of how it works. You know, we're fans at the end of the day. So, um, that's kind of a good segue into that discussion, which is we had. Um, Asher, I wanted to get you – if you had to give me a letter grade on Rand Carthon's first uh, season or offseason as the GM of the Tennessee Titans, what would you give me? His offseason moves an A. Um, he's kind of moneyballed the the – so, like, the non-draft part of it, I give him an A because he's moneyballed pretty much every important position. Like, he's getting productive guys guys with starting experience who were really good in pass production at really, really good value. Um, he signed uh, Aziz, the linebacker. I still don't know how to say his last name all the way, so I'm not going to try and offend anybody. Um, he's good. Young, unproven, played behind Fred Warner, so you're not going to get many reps there. Um, secondary looks good. Defense looks good. He got DeAndre Hopkins. He fixed the offensive line. Um to an extent, or put a Band-Aid on it till we can get some more help, make a big splash this upcoming offseason with all of our salary cap. Um, I like the non-draft moves. The draft, um, I'm going to give like a C because of the amount of uncertainty on it. I don't understand the Tajay Spears draft pick. I don't understand the Will Levis draft pick. I don't understand – not taking a wide receiver until round seven. I mean, that's playing with fire. You're pretty much banking on getting DeAndre Hopkins there. 
Um, I don't don't understand. I hated those things. Tight end, I get because I I'm not going to complain about us drafting a tight end. You're never going to hear me complaining about that because I'm anything to get Jeff Swain and the <laughs> hell away from Nashville. I'm all for it. All for it. Thank God he is gone. Oh. <laughs> you could only bring him in to block. He couldn't catch the ball. He's he wasn't even good at blocking. Good. Probably He's the Falcons. I couldn't remember who he signed with, but it was surprising to me. Let me look him up right quick. So I'm going to give him an overall B. I really, really, really love the approach he took to the offseason non-draft moves. And it would have been a much lower grade if we had not gotten DeAndre Hopkins, but it still would have been a B if we hadn't gotten DeAndre Hopkins because of the ability of the value and quality players he got to plug in to certain spots. I mean, Arden Key as well, extremely, yeah. extremely underrated signing. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, going to be I big. Mean, to how Jacksonville let him walk out of there, I'll never understand. But you hurt your got division rival. Like, you hurt your division rival there and improve yourself. That's always a good signing. Exactly. And but you know he went he banked on himself and he went and got D Hop and he believed in his approach and his pitch to it and D Hop was receptive and signed. So I'm giving those moves through free agency an A and I'm giving the draft a solid C because of the uncertainty around it. And now if it hits, it could be an A. The upside on it could be an A. If Will Levis is the franchise quarterback, then it could be an A. If I mean, so Tajay Spears doesn't have an ACL in one of his legs. What are we doing there? Yeah. Well, why do we draft it? Why, unless he's going to play like slot receiver and return punts and kicks and stuff. Don't understand that. You could have probably gotten another offensive lineman. Could have gotten Jalen Hyatt. You could have gotten you know a bunch oh, of other yeah. players. They could have you know could have could have gotten some more depth at wide receiver, which is never a bad thing to have. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he had a plan. We don't know what that plan was. Still don't really know what it is, but overall, a B. Averaging those two to a B. Okay, I like it. Uh, I would say somewhere around – I would say B, B plus as well. Uh, you've hit on a lot of the, the talking points that I would say too. Um, if if I had any issue, the worst thing he did was taking Levis at 33 instead of 32 if they could have traded up in the first day. And then the Tajay Spears pick was just a complete bonehead – head scratcher for me as well because uh, we already have some running back depth. I like Joey Chestnut. I like um, the kid from Michigan we picked last year. His name escapes me. Um, Haskins. Haskins. I like both of those guys. And I know he went into like the speed guy, but, you know, Derek Henry is plenty fast. Uh, he runs away from a lot of guys. So, yeah, I don't – and we had Kyle Phillips, the, that, you know, returner slash slot receiver, all that. And uh, yep. I, that's the biggest head scratcher for me. Uh Signing uh, Arden Key was a really good, really good, really good signing. That's like you said, uh, one of the. I got a feeling that's going to be like that Danico Autry type signing. Uh, oh yeah, people are overlooking that. Um, taking it from the division rival, you know, he, you know he's going to be super motivated to play against the Jaguars. Uh, oh yeah, and people are ex- expecting the Jaguars to run away with this division, and that's just not going to happen if we stay mm-hmm. healthy. And I, I just. Because we hurt though their defensive line was one of their strengths last year's the Jaguars and we yep. absolutely hurt them on that edge taking Arden Key mm-hmm. from them. I don't know who they drafted to replace, but I know he's not going to be better than him first year. So you know, I would say probably a B or B plus. You know, you hit on most of what I would say, Rand. Uh, I really liked how he went out 
and then sign people off the practice squad to fill in our offensive line needs. Like John Robinson was doing so much, he went and got some proven depth pieces that can start for us when we need them to. When MPF comes back, we're going to have um, – uh, let me see here. What's his name? Uh, Chris Hubbard. There we go. Chris Hubbard's going to be that swing tackle for us if we have any more issues out of the tackle this year with injuries. And, you know, Andre Dillard, is a, he's kind of taking a risk on that guy, but he's got the talent. I like that. You know, he started some games. It's not like we're signing a dude that's tackle number seven on the Browns. You know, we're signing yeah. guys that can absolutely come in and play and keep Tannehill upright for two to three seconds, and that's all we're looking for. So, you know, I'll give him a B or B plus. I like his mentality a little better than John Robinson's. He's not looking after the practice squad guys or the injured guys trying to outsmart the room. He's getting the pieces we need, you know, based off what's there. So I like that and I like how the money we've spent. We haven't we haven't spent a whole lot of money and we've improved our team, I would say dramatically as far as I agree. That. And, you know, some good starters. Um, but you know, that's kind of all we have to talk about, actually. <laughs> kind yeah. of in here. Yeah. We we covered a lot. Uh I think you guys will enjoy this episode because you know, we, we covered a ton and we're getting into we're, we got Titans football today. It's exciting. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I just kind of want to touch base on the podcast moving forward. You know, we, we was kind of slow this summer because we didn't have a lot to talk about, you know. Everything we talked about the draft and we waited to the hit now. So um, I, I feel like me and Asher will get back after this. We're going to at least give you guys two a month, I would say, at least. Yeah. Moving forward. We, we may cover two weeks. We may go back to one a week every, you know, we was doing that. So we're going to give you guys at least two a month because we do have some pretty good listeners. So, I mean, we have some pretty consistent listeners here. So uh, we're going to get back at it. And also, as always, we want you guys to know if, if you want to come on and chop it up with us, we love hearing more opinions. Uh, Asher and me are – I feel like we both try to give each other the time to talk, and we will sit and listen and let you have your spill. And if you want to let the Titans fan hear it, come on. Let us shoot us a message on Twitter or X or anywhere else on our personal accounts. If you want to talk, come on. Come on. We won't bite you. We're, we're always more we're always receptive to hearing other people's opinions because, you know, Tyler and I agree on a lot of things. There's not a lot we really disagree on. We give solid, honest feedback without really any filters. So if you – if you're passionate about it, come on. We want you on here. Exactly, exactly. But uh, we got about 15 minutes to kick, and uh, so we're going to cut this thing out. And uh, as always, we'll leave you with a good old tighten up. Tighten up. Let's ride. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Again, that's 
historynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.